what really gets my dick hard is What's up, brothers? This is the Hulkster here, and you're listening to 24-inch pythons of a show. Middle up your podcast. Well, uh, we're gonna try something a little different here, so, uh, don't get fucking scared, man. Well, we figured anyway, all our fucking Metallica friends, they're always up for something new all the fucking time, right? Dig it. Well, uh, try this on for size. No more fucking public service announcements, all right? Welcome to Melp Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 69, and we're talking about Binge and Purge San Diego. This is a continuation of last week, which was, of course, Seattle. And it's the second part of our three-part series. We're going to be doing Mexico City next week, See? and uh, it's been fun to sort of camp out in uh, binge and purge land. Yeah, we don't we don't do this that often. You know, when we when we've done two parters, sometimes it'll be spread out a little bit. Um, you know, like uh, or was was S and M back to back with what? No, I'm sorry, not S and M. Um, Garage Inc. No, we spread that we out. We spread that out too. Yeah, we did some kind of monster back to back. We did right. James Hetfield back to back, but. I mean, the opportunity doesn't present itself as much. So that's been fun. Yeah. yeah, it's been really cool. So we got Mexico City coming out next week. Uh, before we get into that, if you don't know who we are, we're an All Metallica podcast. Ethan and I are two professional musicians based in Nashville. We decided about a year ago to devote all of our, uh, channel all of our love and energy for Metallica into a podcast. And uh, it's been fun. I, I reflect often. I'm like, you know, we've been doing this for a hot minute now. We're no, we're no longer new. Oh, yeah. No, we're at we're in like month 16. Yeah. All my friends are like, how's that going? Are you still doing that? Like, is it still a thing? I'm like, yeah. It's, it really and like, is. And how often do you do it? Like every Monday? Really? Every fucking week. Every time I tell someone like, oh yeah, I've got a Metallica podcast. We do it every Monday and have for well over a year. They're like, how? Well, if you guys knew what our actual schedules were, it's it's, it's actually kind of amazing that we make it work that often. <laughs> we, I don't think we've ever missed a week. No. I mean, I think I think we had a, like a one day delay one time, but... Yeah, it's it's been consistent, and it's and it amazes me even when we're like we're both on tour, and I've been in Europe, and you've been on the west coast of the U.S. and whatever, and we've somehow managed to make it happen. And it's kind of cranking up again. It's the next the next month or two is going to be pretty dicey. Yeah, it's going to get a little, you know, it's, as Hetfield would say, it's going to get a little wacky, a little nutty, a little nutty. Damn it! Yeah, I thought a little he said. Nutty. It is nutty, yeah. A little of our nutty Come friends. Come down here, get nutty with us. So we're going to sort of burn down the San Diego show. If you didn't hear our uh, episode last week, we sort of went through Seattle, uh, and we're doing Mexico City next week. Let's get into some news. So, so the boys are they're sort of back doing their two weeks on, two weeks off. And uh, as we all sort of know, if you're, if you're listening to this, you probably know, they're doing a pretty interesting rotating slot situation with their set list in Europe. And uh, I just wanted to go through sort of like the flavors they're giving us on a... Uh, on March 29th, they were in Hamburg, and so they have sort of a kill em all slot, yeah. which is the fourth song, I believe, where they're, or maybe it's the third, where they're doing Seek and Destroy, they did Four Horsemen this night. Um, actually, it's not necessarily a kill em all slot, but they did Four Horsemen, Dream No More, which they've been sort of A-being with confusion, and then they have a cover slot, they did Die My Darling, and then they're either doing Fuel or Memory Remains, and then for the thrash slot, that in the States, it was either Black and Fight Fire with Fire, 
or battery, right. they've been pretty much doing spit out the bone every night. Which is great. I mean, it, it, is it becoming a staple? I think it's becoming a staple. Well, it's, it, it's been the most anticipated song for them to play live off of Hardwired. For sure. Easily. And I'd imagine every time they play it, they get better and better at it. So why not keep playing it? Like, I want to hear Here Comes Revenge and I want to hear Am I Savage. I love those songs. Right. But there's not the clamor for that that there was for Spit. I mean, this is kind of their, this is kind of this record's Dire's Eve, you know, Damage or Damage Inc. Inc. Exactly. It for sure is. Yeah. Um, I, I love that they're doing it. Um, in Vienna, I was stoked that they did Through the Never. Through the Never. Oh, my gosh. I was listening to the Black Album on the way over here, and I got to Through the Never, and I thought about this show. And I was like, I hope... That's 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 a song that I hope we get at one of the shows. Through the Never, to. one of my favorite Metallica songs. Agreed. Absolutely. So good. And that night, they did Confusion. They did Bread Fan, Memory, Spit Out the Bone. In Prague, they did Leper Messiah. Awesome. So it's, yeah, so it's not like a kill em all. It's, it's sort of a deep cut slot. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing Dream No More a lot. Am I Evil, Spit Out the Bone. And then in Budapest, their last show, which was on April 5th, they did Hit the Lights, which, man, honestly, I'd love to see Hit the Lights, too. It's their first song. It's so good. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's so fun. Uh, they did Dream, Bread Fan Again, and Spit. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm missing. I'm missing Death Magnetic on the tour, though. I know. Well, on the last two legs, they were, were they were fr- doing they were doing the day that never ends. It, it, it never comes. But how about some? I mean, I get it. The they, night that never ends. The record they'll never play. Exactly. Like I get it. Judas Kiss is out. Unfortunately for me, I think all Nightmare Long's out. I get it. But how about some the end of the line? That was just your life. That was how just about your some, life. How about some cyanide? Really, all right. I would They're say they're not going to do Unforgiven Three. That's fine. Any of the first five songs on that record, just even if they just picked one, the day that never comes. If they had just a like rotating death magnetic slot, yeah, and, and maybe have three different ones you rotate in and out, it would be awesome. But they were doing day that never comes in kind of the fade to black sanitarium slot. Yeah. Well, I want it back. Needless to say, that's what's going on. There's a little bit of news, the All Within My Hands Foundation. So they're doing these auctions, which I, I do think is pretty cool. Every The first Tuesday of every month, Metallica, th- via their charitable foundation, All Within My Hands, they're doing an auction. And uh, this week they're giving out a signed black ESP LTD EC10 and, uh, and an autographed limited edition poster from the Birmingham, Birmingham England show. If any of you guys got any of the posters from the World Wire Tour, these posters are all super unique and super badass. Oh, they're awesome, yeah. So they're giving that they're doing that every uh, every month. So all within my hands.org, go check that out. It's pretty cool. Some of the things they're giving out are the hardwired experiences where you get to meet the band, including James Hetfield. Yeah, which is pretty rad. And tickets to sold out shows and all that shit. It's pretty cool. It's worth checking out. Reddit co founder, uh, executive chairman Alexis Ohanian came out as Sounds a huge, Irish. <laughs> it's weird it's, it's Alexis weird. Ohanian. It's weird to say that he came out as a Metallica fan, like it's some sort of taboo thing, but he did an interview this week where he basically said that he was a huge fan and he was referencing some kind of monster and saying that the struggles James and Lars went through as sort of co-founders of Metallica, he also dealt with in co-founding Reddit. Oh, wow. So that was interesting. That kind of made news. Yeah, but that's cool. I mean, I'm sure even for a band like Metallica, as long as they've been at it, it's still probably cool to find out that, you know, someone who's done something else really cool is a fan of yours. You know? I think they've been at the stage for probably 20 or 25 years right. where I, I imagine at every show there's someone cool there where they're like, oh, what Dave Grohl's here. Oh, the guy from Reddit's here. Right. The, uh, Elon Musk is whoever it is. They're just that right. Chad Kroger's here. <laughs> they are. Dude, have you seen that footage of Nickelback doing Sabbath, Sabbath True? True? It's really good. It's really good. It's really, I wish they would have played the whole song. Did they not do the whole thing? I think they cut it off. At I don't some think point. I watched the whole thing. I oh, get you hated it. Everyone knows I 
I have a soft spot for some Nickelback. <laughs> you have the softest spot that produces tears. I do. Yeah, I get choked up. Uh, the last bit of news that we'll go before I l- we... I love this. So St. Vincent, for those of you who don't know, is this kind of sort of indie rock chick. Super cool. She actually directed a, um, a horror anthology series that came out last year called XX, where it oh, was cool. all female directors. They Rad. Did, kind of did a small short film. Love it. And she was one of them, and hers was really good. Anyway, it's called XX. Anyway, awesome. this, her name is Annie, uh, Annie, Annie Clark. So she tweeted, I want to be the kind of asshole who sees a fashion kid in a vintage Metallica shirt and isn't... Insist. And insist they be able to sing at least one song from Ride the Lightning. So Metallica retweeted it, and they wrote, give them a break if they don't know the words to escape. <laughs> it's true, though. I don't know. It's like, I think... I know the words easier to escape than like trapped under ice. Well, I, I mean, I'm not... Hey, give them a break if they don't know the words to call a Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, that and that'll pretty much prove if they know the record or not. Well, you know, we, we we've seen that a lot over the years with like not only like you know cool fashion kids or whatever, but like celebrities wearing like when Justin Bieber wore a Metallica shirt and stuff like that. Yeah. Anytime I see someone wearing a Metallica shirt or any band that I've invested a lot in, the Misfits or whoever, the Clash, and you can kind of just tell you're wearing that just to be cool and just for fashion. I want to walk and be like, name me five songs from that record. Yeah, I saw a dude one time. I won't mention the band, Nickelback. Nickelback, um, but well-known person mm-hmm. in a uh, original Master of Puppets T-shirt, mm-hmm. and I, I so badly wanted to go up and ask. Can oh, you, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you do. Can you name five songs off this album, knowing very well that the song titles are on the back of the T-shirt? Right. But I, I didn't have the guts to do it. Well, here's the deal. Like, I understand all that. Like, I feel that way too. This sort of territorial shit. Same time, it's like, all right, you don't have to know it all to wear the shirt. It's okay. You yeah. can wear the shirt. Maybe you thought the shirt looked cool. I've done that. I may not. I don't Maybe. know. I don't, I don't know. know. Um, that is interesting, though. I just love her tweet. I thought it was great. I saw it. I retweeted it. Yeah, it's funny. I helped. There is part of you that's like, well, if you're going to wear it and pretend to like it, and you're, or, or you're wearing it for all the wrong reasons. Well, here's the thing, too. It's part of you that wants to stick it to him. Like, but all Meta- right. Metallica's the kind of band, though, that, as we know, have such a rabid fan base. Mm-hmm. That if, you know, what she you know, what she calls, you know, uh, a fashion kid wearing a Red Lightning shirt, some Metallica fans going to be like, fuck yeah, Red Lightning, like, what's your favorite song? And they're going to be like, um... Oh, wait a minute. Enter Sandman. John Varveda sold me this shirt for $17,000. Right, you know? So yeah. I, I get it with a band like Metallica, or like a band with a hardcore fan base. Right. Like, if I was wearing a New Kids on the Block shirt, sure, they have a f- hardcore fan base, but people would just think it was funny. I maybe or they, they would think a lot of things about or you. they would think it, I was, they, it was they would, sad. They would yeah. think a lot of things about hey, you. Listen, I'll, I'll wear New Kids on the Block shirt if you make one with the what Metallica was their big font, song. Hanging tough, man. No, how did they, how did that go? Hanging tough, New Kids on the Block. Hanging tough. No, I'm thinking about another one. The last line of the course is "We're rough." No, what? No, I'm thinking about they a big had, one. Um, listen, my sisters were so into those guys. I'm um, thinking about a big one. That was a big. <laughs> that was a huge song. Hanging no. tough. Gene Froman is what I'm talking about. New um, on the they uh, what was the one off the record before that? They um, when they did like their cool little dance, uh, their leg splits. You and got stuff. it. No step by step. Step by step was huge. How did that go? Uh, all I remember is that the, I think it was the bridge. Fuck, maybe that, I don't know any. Of these they songs. list steps and it goes step one. We can have lots of fun. <laughs> step two. Well, that's always step one. There's so much we can do. Step three. It's just you and me. Oh Jesus, that's bad. Step four. I forgot. That's really bad. Well, it's really bad as I know that many lyrics. Do you no, that's what I'm saying. 
All right, so that's kind of the news. That's fun. Uh, we're, so we've been doing this iTunes contest. We could go leave us a positive review on iTunes, which you should do, by the way, if you haven't. It really helps us out, right. and it's easy to do, and all that shit. Uh, we're doing a patron-exclusive contest. Now, you're going to hear about Patreon later, about how to get involved and stuff. But for the month of March, we're doing a Patreon-exclusive contest. So if you're a patron, your name goes into a queue. I think we have about 105, 110 patrons. And uh, we're going to draw your name and give out five prizes. The prizes this month are... New Kids on the Block, Hanging Tough on Vinyl. <laughs> was Marky Markin? No, he was in the Funky Bunch. His, his, his brother, Donnie... Jo- Don- was Jordan something in... Jordan Knight. Jordan yeah. Knight. Yeah, Donnie Wahlberg was in Donnie. New Kids. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Him, both you Wahlbergs. do know too much about this. Listen, I have a twin sister and a sister that's two and a half years younger than me, and they were obsessed with And you have New a lot Kids. of New Kids on the Block CDs. And I love New Kids on the Block. So <laughs> yeah, just... Combine all three of those, and I mean, they might be next to Metallica. Listen, all I'm saying is I might start a New Kids on the Block podcast. Okay. Uh, we're giving away the Mexico City DVD, a Pusshead Hockey Puck, a Crash Course uh, t-shirt, the Beyond Magnetic CD sealed. Those last two things are courtesy of our friend Benjamin. And the Big Daddy Prize is our friend Tiffany gave us the Captain Crunch. It's the Hammer of Justice, but it's this cap, the Captain of Crunch. It's the Captain Crunch cereal, cereal box. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's it's a numbered one out of five thousand. They were limited edition, and it appears that the boys have signed it. Now we don't know. We can't confirm if it's a, if it's just printed on there. As sign- so Tiffany will have to let us know. Yeah. Um, we actually yeah, had it under a light to see if that was the case, if it was printed or not. But um, either way, it's a very cool limited piece, and that's the Big Daddy Prize. So go on. to patreon.com backslash metal up your podcast, and we're going to talk about Patreon later, and you'll kind of see how to get involved. If you donate a dollar or more, you're in the running for this contest. And it's a way for you to support the show and yep. all that shit. All right. Uh, we are on the socials. We actually did a fun thing right before we recorded the episode. Was it fun? With Instagram. It was pretty fun. I had a good time, actually. It seemed a little weird at first. We did an Instagram Live thing. Uh, Our original plan was, hey, let's Instagram Live this whole episode. That might have been a bad idea. idea. Bad idea. Um, But we hung out on there for, what, a good 45 minutes or so? I don't know. Something like that? I think it was about an hour. We answered questions. We had fun. We told jokes. Torben and Dave and the Hulkster, they all showed up. Becca showed up. It was awesome. So go find us on Instagram. We're also on Twitter and Facebook and all our shits on YouTube. Best way to get a hold of us is through email. And uh, we're trying to really make sure the email section is staying shorter and shorter. So we've truncated some of these. But for the next few minutes, we're going to hear from the fans. Let's get into the email corner. Let's do it. All right. Our first email is from Vanna Carpenter. Hey there, really enjoyed the podcast, guys. Your voices are super duper soothing to me uh, after a long, challenging day. Well, you're welcome. Welcome to I'm super, sorry you had a long, welcome hard to day. Welcome super duper vocal hour. I'm glad that we could uh, put your mind at ease. Uh, welcome to the soothing sounds of Ethan and Clint on Mel Up Your Podcast. Welcome to, yeah, I'm glad it's super duper. I hope you hey. have a super duper night. <laughs> uh, she says, and you're still both my favorite bedtime storytellers. Oh, okay, Vanna. This is a little story called the super duper giving tree. Oh, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna tell you a little story about the super duper Berenstein Bears. Here's here's the thing. I I actually know, I actually don't know where the sidewalk ends. Yeah. Sometimes when I put my hand on the window, I wonder if you're putting your hand on the window and then we're looking at the same moon. Are we? Do you Vanna, you're getting sleepy. You're getting very sleepy. <laughs> I'd like to solve the puzzle, Vanna. Sorry, Wheel of Fortune joke. Wheel of Fortune callback. Wow. Little Wheel of Fortune humor for you guys out Thanks, there. Thanks, Vanna. Uh, Felipe de Lina says, Wishful thinking, I just wish Metallica would play more songs from Load and Reload. 
I think Lars's drumming really stands out when he slows things down, and the band sounds heavier and grooves more. When I listen to those records, it's pure bliss. The melodies are catchy, the songs are powerful, the lyrics are deep. The bluesy country vibe totally suits Hetfield. I miss that in Metallica, uh, specifically the vocal melodies. What do you guys think? Well, it's going to shock no one that I completely agree. Yeah, I agree too. I, I, you know, I think there's elements of load and reload on Hardwired. There is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but there's something really special. I mean, people hate that shit. I get it. People think it's lackluster and filler. I know our friend Tom doesn't like it. But I, for one, and I think uh, Felipe also agrees, is that there's a lot of depth in those records. And in, in every, every, I think he's right about all of it. Largest drumming to play slower. You know, there's there's double kick and like Ain't My Bitch and... Fuel. And, yeah, there's double kick in it a little bit, but it's just not that kind of record. And it's harder to play pockets like that. Yeah. Well, and back then, Lars really had a good backbeat, which is... A great backbeat. If you guys don't... If you, obviously, Bob Rock talks about it, but... No, real, go ahead and explain it. Real quick. If you've got a metronome going click, 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 you're playing just behind it to where you're almost a little late, but you're still... It, you can it, play, yeah, like on a, on a beat, you can kind of play ahead of the beat a little bit. Yeah. You can play right on the beat, or you can kind of hang back. Yeah. And hanging back is kind of a hallmark of like John Bonham-esque drumming. Um, it just gives it this sort of groove and pocket. The, I mean, the Black Album has it. That's, that's the Black Album. Totally. It, yeah. I mean, shit, we can't go on and on about it, but I totally agree. I, I think that... Um, I think the depth of the lyric writing, I don't think he's really done since. He's come close, right. you know? Like, I think, obviously, St. Anger is super personal, but he, he post-rehab and dealing with all that trauma, he didn't have any power or ego strength. So the lyrics are very, like, sophomoric in a sense. Yeah. I want my anger to be healthy. I want my anger to be me. That's, yeah. that's not a good lyric. Plus, he was letting the whole band write lyrics, including Bob Rock and including Phil, Phil. Tao. He, he let Phil zone it on the record. That's well, all they, we're they saying. Zoned it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, anytime that you guys want to write in and share your love for Load and Reload, I absolutely love it. I totally agree. Thanks, Felipe. I really appreciate that. Our next email is from Junebug Fugit, or as I like to say, Fuck It. Fug, it's Fugit. No, Remember, it's, he told us. I know, but I don't. Oh, I, I, I listen. I appreciate the correction on the right pronunciation, but I prefer Junebug Fugit. Uh, I'm super another super duper. I'm super duper excited that you guys drew my name for the cover our world world black and EP. I am a patron though, so I already have it. If you want, you can draw another name for the EP. Spread the love. We had several people that won last week. Jason Barry was one too, and uh, they already have it because they're patrons. So how about this? First five people that email us that want the EP, we'll give it to them. Yeah, just uh, in the subject say, uh, give me the EP. Yeah. And that's Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. First five people that send us an email, we'll give you the EP. Thanks, Junebug, for your generous paying it forward. Old School VHS writes, Hi, guys. This is Martin from Germany, New Jersey, of course. Love your podcast. You guys have a really great humor, and I'm always happy to learn some Metallic facts, which I didn't know before. Listening to your show is always a pleasure and also very easy to understand for a non-native speaker like me. That's cool. Well, perhaps I should talk like this a little more. <laughs> From Vienna or Germany or Austria? Uh, I could be from uh, most places in Europe. It's really quite most easy. Most places in Juarez. <laughs> New Jersey. Juarez, New Jersey. He says, in the last episode, you wondered if the the Benjamin Purge box that came with a shirt. He says, I can tell you what it was like here in Germany, New Jersey. He says, when the live shit box set was released at selected record stores, the first day buyers got a free promo long sleeve shirt that wasn't included in the box but given away separately at the counter after you paid for the box. The text on the back of the long sleeve is in German language, so I guess this shirt was a Germany-only promotional item. 
I don't know if buyers in other countries got something similar like that. All the best. You guys keep up the fantastic work, Martin. So other people wrote in and said that the Japanese release also had the shirt. Right. So not not in the U.S. Yeah, it wasn't happening in the yeah. U.S. And I'd imagine that if there's German writing on the back, then it is exclusive to Germany. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up, Martin. Yeah, thank you, Martin. All right, next email is from Eric Moore. He says, hey, guys, I also liked what Clint said about the sort of pride that you uh, had uh, being a Metallica, uh, fan of Metallica. It definitely rang true with my friends and I back then. Uh, this was during the peak of the Creed slash Limp Bizkit stained era when bands like that were huge. There was also a faction of us who were still blasting Metallica, Sabbath, Maiden, and Pantera. And it was just like this whole pride thing, uh, knowing that our boys could still dominate whatever the new in thing was. Eric. Um, I'm, I mean, I was in that same camp. I mean, you know, there was some stuff maybe, you know, rolling by Limp Bizkit, fun song, heavy riff, but it didn't, ca- it didn't grab me like Metallica did. You know, I appreciate that stuff a lot more now as a, a older, more mature person at the time. I was very, I was like this, f-, because it was like, if your boys were Metallica, that shit just wasn't cutting it. Like right. break stuff or may have been heavy or rolling or whatever, or counterfeit or their cover of a uh, faith. It's yeah. like, all right, that's heavy. It's cool. Yeah. But it was like, if your standard was that era of Metallica, then it just didn't fucking cut it. Sure. Yeah. And our friend, uh, Bob O'Rourke also wrote about that sentiment too. I was glad Atlanta, cause I, I felt like I wasn't articulating it very well, but just, you almost sort of like, um, glom on to the ego of that time. Those dudes were just so confident. It was so strong oh, and yeah. powerful For that sure. to even just be a fan of it and get it on a certain heavier level yeah. other than like, Oh, I like inner salmon. Like to really kind of get it felt like uh, that power sort of got grafted onto you. Absolutely. And gave you confidence in school or whatever the fuck. Oh yeah, for sure. So anyway, always good to hear from Eric. Danny Derryberry. Danny Derryberry. Hello fellas. He says pumped that the show has reached the popularity it has being an OG established March, 2017. It's been like watching a new band you're into extend their reach and keep on going. Here's to 200,000 more downloads and interviews with the boys. Horns up, bitches. A uh, very short, brief email of encouragement. I just want to say thanks to Danny, yeah, an OG thank you, Danny. fan. It's been an exciting few months, man. I mean... Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had more guests this year than ever. I mean, we didn't really have any... I mean, I, I don't consider Paul Mocha guest anymore. No, but, he's, well, he's a guest host. Um, but yeah, we had... What, what was it? Like three episodes in a row we had a guest, which is kind of unheard of for us. Yeah. And you know, the show seems to be growing every week and we're feeling more comfortable about it and hope like i've mentioned it before like having the boys on is kind of like the the zelda boss we're just working our <laughs> way through that zelda game dude oh yeah totally what level are we on right now i don't know we're, we're, well, you know we said last week we we're in our ride the lightning phase we haven't we definitely have not gotten the triforce yet oh the, no that's the end yeah, yeah exactly no 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 yeah no, the, we may, i think we may have the sword of destiny uh, we may even have the slingshot. I think we may, we, we might have graduated oh, from the wooden sword. I was about, oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. We have the real sword. Yeah. 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 And we have a potion bottle. Love the potion yeah, bottle. Yeah. Well, that's a crucial. I mean, you yeah, have to have it. You have to. You can fill it up with either hearts or magic, <laughs> green or red. <laughs> and then, I'm doing specifically linked to the past. Um, see, I'm thinking though. The Legend of Zelda, which all that stuff still is kind of there. The yeah. old school OG NES version. No, no, I'm talking, I was about super, to go I'm talk, into like, I'm talking Super Nintendo. We're going we're gonna to get, like, eventually on this podcast, uh, find Ganon. No, I'm talking Super Nintendo. Okay. The Link to the well, Past? Because Nintendo had two. Right. It had uh, The Legend the of Zelda and The Adventures of Link. Yeah, Adventures of Link. Yeah. yeah. And, and those were fun, but weird. I mean, I got obsessed with the first Zelda, that gold cartridge. It was so beautiful. Oh, it was it. Awesome. oh you're right. Loved it. It, loved was, it. it was a groundbreaking game, Absolutely. and I could not get enough of it. Absolutely. 
Love are we it. are we doing a Zelda podcast now? Yeah. Okay. So then, and Ganon, and when you get to him, what you got to do is no. See, Zelda's the girl you rescue. His name's not Zelda. Exactly. Zelda's a girl's name. His name's Link. His Link. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> All right, our last email is from Danny Santana. Love the Seattle show episode. Uh, heard it at work, and now I can't, uh, I can wait to get home and run through the show again. I think he meant can't wait to get home. Uh, a note on the San Diego show. The bass slash guitar solos are fucking awesome. Probably uh, the only ones on Metallica Reese that I actively go back and listen to on their own. Uh, not just while listening, but the entire, uh, but to the entire set. Kirk and Jason linking up for some Zeppelin. Wow. Cheers from the west coast of New Jersey, Los Angeles. Uh, well, thanks, Danny. Yeah, um, and we'll get into all we'll that. We'll get into this, but yeah, the, the the bass solo section of this show is definitely a highlight for me, which we will discuss. Well, and we've already sort of talked about all the details, the the facts of binge and purge. Um, the point of splitting these up into three episodes is because we really wanted to sort of do them, no pun intended, justice. We wanted to do them lightning. Well, because look, they're beloved. These are beloved shows that we've all spent a lot of time with. Classic shows. And so I owe it to my my 13-year-old self to really sort of go through it. Um, you can listen to our uh, Seattle show to sort of get more of the context facts about the release of Binge and Purge. Right. We're not going to rehash all that here. I think we're just going to jump right into a track by track. Let's do it. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects that Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios. Track by track. All right, so... This was recorded at the Sports Arena in San Diego on January 13th and 14th, 1992. For those of you out there who don't know, it's similar to the other one, um, similar to Seattle. They had they recorded two nights, both film and audio. And what that gives them the freedom to do is to make edits. If maybe a solo wasn't so great, the one solo wasn't so great on one night, right. they can fall back on the, uh, the audio of the other. Same with video. For the Mexico City shit, which we're doing next week, they actually did five nights. <laughs> Plenty of content to edit. Plenty together. of content to edit. Because I think they knew that was going to... I mean, it was their first live CD. Well, I mean... And, so they and, wanted to make I mean, sure it was great. The, the fans in, in Mexico and really anywhere in, in Central America, it's in South America even, is like insane. Well, they're just they're notorious so, music fans. And oh, my God. It's crazy per, down there. Metallica yeah. in particular has a great relationship with the good folks of Mexico. So, um, you know, we're here... So we want to do it chronologically. So last time we convened, it was 1989... We were in Seattle. The boys are riding high on justice. Yeah, uh, this is pre-black album, obviously, and here we are, uh, three years later, J- early 1992. Just black album's out, and the boys are opening with the title track of their new record, "Inner Sandman." The title track, yeah. The black album is also called "Inner Sandman." <laughs> the title, track. <laughs> not the title track. Sorry, the lead-off track. The lead-off track. Sorry, the lead-off track. Title track. Um, and what's cool is like this is only four months after the Black Album came out, right? So it's all super it's fresh, so fresh, and, and people are excited about the record. But yeah, and what's cool is you know, so the beginning of this one is similar to Seattle, where there is like this montage thing. But 
they're on the uh, actual release. You see what they what the crowd was seeing, where they're you know they're talking to the crowd from backstage. You guys ready to come out? You know we're gonna come kick your ass soon. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Um, showing montage stuff of them doing the record and all that stuff, and then they open. You know, of course you have Ecstasy of Gold. But then yeah, I mean to open with Enter Sandman. It's back to their thing we were talking about last week was. This is in an era where they would just open with the first track on the record. Well, we've talked about it before, but when you sequence a record, I mean, it's a very thoughtful process. And yeah. what, what you're basically saying is like, we have these 10 or 12 songs or whatever, how long the track list is. We want to take people on a on a journey. Yeah. Um, it's very deliberate. It's not arbitrary. Right. They don't leave it up to management. The artists decide. And so it really makes sense that they're like, well, we're going to go tour this new piece of art. Yeah. What should we start with? How about what we painstakingly decided to start with on the album itself? I mean, they still do it. I, I mean, mean, that's why on the Hardwired tour, yeah, they're doing Hardwired into Atlas. I mean, uh, the, you know, they, when I saw them in 09 for Death Magnetic, that was just your life. First track. Yeah. They had the the, 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 the tape they played was like the heartbeat thing. And so, yeah, I mean. And they opened with Blackened in Seattle. Yeah. You bitching know? that they're, you know, I mean, it's just crazy to, I guess, like, knowing what we know now in 2018, where Sandman is, very is little, by always, it's very little. Very little. We've yeah. not we, learned much. I don't, I, you I'm mean only, in general? In general, I don't know much. <laughs> but I know I love you. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Um, <laughs> but now, you know, in 2018, you look back on all these years and years, Enter Sandman has become like this staple closing song for them. It, and it, it always will be. It's like, mean, yeah, it's like they're never going to not close with it. So it's interesting to like to go back and watch something where they open with it. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. There's to go so back and much like, kind of crazy frenetic energy around it. Like it's their new big song. Everyone's super stoked. Obviously, a lot of trues are bummed. Uh, but uh, fuck, I mean, I still love Inner Sandman. I oh, still me too. think it's a yeah. great song. It's great. Um, and it is interesting that it's only just a few years later. You know, and like shit's just. It seemed like a peak in 89, but it's like a whole different level. You oh, a know? whole different level. I mean, even the whole stage setup is, is bigger and better. I and love, you know, for me, I just it's so imprinted on my mind, and we haven't seen it in a long time, but Kirk playing that spider Les Paul. I love that one. It's an ESP Les Paul, but he's got that kind of yellow spider yep. on the top. Oh, yeah. He played that a ton back in well, the Well, that was just, I, it was synonymous to, to, in my mind with the image of Kirk playing. Yeah. Um, I love that guitar. The band feels way more confident. Uh, and you know, even even that early, we, even with four months after the record's coming out, for the Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, they were playing like a a tape right, of yeah. the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, totally. Which they, you know, in 1992, they had some dude actually playing a tape. It was probably, uh, honestly, back then it was or probably a-dat. like a, a dat or dat, a, a yeah. dat yeah. which is, it's still tape. It's digital audio tape. That's what dat stands right. for, for, for the, the recording layman out there. For anyone I, who's not a fucking nerd. I just like saying layman. It's a fun word. That's fun to say. Yeah. You have a list of fun words. Oh yeah, Layman's the top of them. Francisco, that's fun to say. Ooh, Francisco. Um, I love. Yeah, when he, when James opens his arms after the f- first chorus. Oh, it's a, it, sort well, of it's classic. Like a cl- classic shot from from behind. I think about him at the Moscow show. Yeah, like the where there were like uh, there was like reportedly seven people. billion people there. Yeah, everyone on the planet eight, was there. Eight billion. Yeah, the world gathered in Moscow. Yeah, that that because you know for a long time he did a very low low stance, very low, where he would kind of crouch. Guitar right? is low. It's, like, would, it's almost like he's prowling. Yeah, well, like a wolf, a wolf or man, a wolf or man. Yeah, uh-huh. tiny wolves out there. Uh, Jason, of course, rocking the puss head, wearing the Sabbath true shirt. One of my favorite puss head designs. He, I mean, the Black Album era was like prime time for Jason wearing Black Album merch. Yeah. 
Um, I do yeah, love that's true. Which, one thing we didn't mention on, on the Seattle show is Jason wearing a Johnny Cash Elvis Presley T-shirt. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Interesting. But I do. Yeah. Anyways, I, I love in the Black Album era that Jason always has a different Black Album design. But the two, the two skulls facing each other. Such a the, good shirt. The, I'm you. You know, like yeah, that whole deal. <clears throat> I'm your. To, I'm my own worst enemy. Shit. That's so good. Like the lit song. You make me completely miserable. Different song. I was thinking, my own worst enemy. That is that not that song? No, that's. I think it's called completely miserable. That was a different one. That's the video. Can we forget about the things you said when I was drunk? Didn't mean to call you that. Tell me why. It's a good song. My butt is in the front yard. Some Orange County dudes right there. It sounds like the guitar player is a writer in Nashville. Driving down the one one. Oh yeah. What's Sleeping with my pants on, whatever, whatever that song is. Uh, oh, the Jason's BGVs on the "Often Never Neverland" refrain. God, I mean, Often Never Neverland. Like the last episode, we're going to be complimenting Jason a lot on his BGVs on this one, dude. It's he's such a big part of these huge shows, part of it. You know? I mean, even on Inner Sandman, he's doing the high harmony on the on the pre-chorus. <clears throat> you know, the gripping your pillow tight part, and Hetfield does the. They've lower always harmony. done that. Yeah, the, yeah Jason's awesome. always did the high part. Yeah, um, it's interesting to see that. You know, like that. I could see how, like, in the early days of it, James is going to do it because he did it in the studio. He's young right, and yeah. strong, and they sort of segue out of that. But even then, Jason was doing that high part. But nowadays, I'm pretty sure he's doing the high one. Uh, I, 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 I don't specifically the, I don't remember know, from the yeah. shows we went to, but I'm pretty sure James just does the high part now. I don't know if Robert can hit that. I don't think he. I don't think James can hit it. I don't think he does it either. Well, who does it then, Kirk? <laughs> No. <laughs> Lars has a headset mic on back there. He's like, I got this guy. Lars, no, Lars couldn't even do it in his prime. <laughs> Lars was never a singer. You know, and we're going to get down to like when we, you know, when the boys do Seek and Destroy and the kind of in the middle of puppets or they sort of truncate puppets. Jason does the whole song. It's fun. It's cool. Yeah. And, you know, we talked, you've talked about him being sort of a hype guy. He's like the guy in the Mighty Mighty Bostones that doesn't play an instrument. He just dances. He yeah. just sort of dances. Yeah, yeah. Never had an option to knock on wood, but I'm good. I haven't yet. It's the feather that I get. <laughs> Impression that I get. Uh, and then we <clears> sort of get one of the. It's not as classic as the Mexico City, but we get the. Are you fucking ready? Creeping dead. Oh, it's so good. Gah, 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 gah. I mean, come so, on. When, dude. So when I rewatched the San Diego show, I did San Diego. San, San Diego. I didn't look up the set list because it's been a while since I've seen it. I, whenever we do these episodes, I yeah. never look at the set. I want to be surprised again. I want to be All fucking excited. Yeah. So when he said, are you fucking ready? Creepy. I'm like, yeah, let's I do know. It. Isn't that fun? That's a fun uh, way to do I, it. I for... was expecting uh, two Black Album songs in a row for some reason. It just felt like they should do it. Like what? Like which? Yeah. I mean, Even if like, they went from that into Sabbath True, just like, the, you know, that would have sounded great. But um, man, fuck. What a one-two punch. Oh, yeah. It's weird. They've, they've, they've well, t- just like the record, too. But we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, and, we've, and God knows we probably talked about it in other episodes. Creeping Death is one of those songs that works so well at the top, but also so well at the back of the set, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I, and actually, we're going to get into this because there is one song that they usually do at the top, but they do at the back on this show that I don't think worked as well. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So we'll save that. So, Creep, I mean, you know, James's vocals. To me, like one of my first notes is that he sounds stronger. He sounds more confident, even than Seattle. Well, I mean, this is you know this is fresh off of working with Bob Rock vocally. 
you know, Bob Rock really pushing totally. him to become a better singer. He, uh, he probably was, learned a lot vocally by <clears throat> working with Bob. Well, this is also in, in the in the era where he um, he learned how to actually sing and properly warm up and right. warm down after shows and stuff like that. So, which was crucial to like the longevity of like people would say like oh you know when he blew his voice out and he had to get trained things changed and right I think that coincided with people being bummed about Black Album and Load and Reload but the fact is. It was a blessing, if you, if I can sort of um, borrow that language for a sure. second, uh, that that happened that early on because the shit he learned by doing that. I mean, he still warms up vocally to the tape he got during that. Yeah, black oh, yeah. album shit. Oh yeah. So he learned how to take care of his voice at a time where it was really important. He might have done more damage had he not learned how to take care of himself. Oh, I think if if he didn't learn how to take care of his voice, I don't know if we would have gotten his great vocal takes in the load reload era because, because certain vocal damage is permanent. Oh, I mean, I, I have an old friend that used to be in a band that how lit- old are they now? Well, when he stopped touring, well, you said you had an old friend, an old friend, he's 79. Right? There we go. No, no, um, uh, an old, old time wise friend. Um, he literally had his, he had to stop touring. Couldn't sing anymore. He, he when he talked to him, he talks like this. He well, look sh- at Phil and Selma shot his vocal cords. Yeah. Phil and yeah. Selma was, you know, all Phil can do is just kind of scream, and not even well Phil, anymore. But. Man, if I can just take take a minute here, please do. I am a huge, huge Pantera fan, and Phil Anselmo, he just bums me out, dude. That dude is yeah. not. He's just too. He's so fucked up. He's yeah. not. He's not cool. Every time you see an interview with him, you want Dime him to be cool, so, but because Dime was so cool. Go read any interview with Diamond, even Vinny say, back in the day. I would they say Diamond cool. would be, have been the coolest in that band. I mean, Diamond is one of the coolest people in all of metal. I had in he's like in my one experience, in one experience of meeting Vinny Paul. I've probably mentioned on the show he was not cool at all. I have heard stories from people, yeah, who've brushed up against Vinny in certain uh, above board and dubious ways, and the stories are not good. Yeah, the only people I know that have said oh he's great are people that are in other bands that end up at a strip club or something and they're like oh well, they're, he they're was big, great they're I'm big like, into well, that yeah. but here's the deal everything I've heard bad about Vinnie <clears throat> Paul is like people on the inside who've told me stories with Phil and Selmo you don't need inside information that motherfucker <laughs> no. is making public public spectacles of himself oh yeah oh yeah you know doing some racist shit at public events and just fucking bumming me out dude yeah totally it makes it hard to listen to Pantera sometimes it, it's changing it for me a little bit as I get older. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, Anyways, back to um, Vulgar Display of Power. <laughs> Anyways, back to our Pantera uh, podcast. Uh, the bridge, man, of course, the die bridge is uh, so amazing, iconic. And I love that Jason's just fucking running in circles. Oh, yeah. And James is getting the crowd to go, die. The energy. Die. Well, James runs up on the rafters. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great moment. It's it's like an encore moment, and it's this the is their second, second song. song. It's yeah. amazing, dude. It's crazy. That's what I'm talking about. The power of that, and it does seem to be connected to Creeping Death for me for yeah. some for some reason. Maybe it's Freudian. I don't know. Well, this is also. I mean, it's not my like, latent religious uh, guilt. I don't know. Sure, but the energy on stage too. I, I would imagine is also related to the fact that like rhythmically, it's not a crazy hard song to play. Now the, the the die part. No, uh, well, the, the, die the normal part, song is, but yeah, because it's all downstrokes. Yeah, that is tough. But but when you get in that crowd part, or you like the chorus and the bridge are just really easy to play. Yeah, on guitar. You're hitting diamond. A diamond is like a whole note. Yeah. you're going one chord. Bing, two, three. Let it be written. Bum, bum. Let, let it, it be done. done. Ding, ding. Send it by. Let's play a diamond for you. Those are called diamonds yeah. in the biz. Uh, <laughs> 
but the, but the main riff that that's hard to play. Yeah, that's tough. Because James does not alternate pick. That motherfucker is all downstrokes. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're talking about disposable heroes or or um, spit out the bone, but on something like creep, that is all down. Master puppets all downstrokes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so anyone who plays guitar knows how difficult that is. But right. you're right. The bridge gets simpler, so that you can kind of you can prowl the stage more. You don't and, have to and, look at your guitar as much or concentrate on your, your right hand doing something. You, know, you can like throw picking. your arms up, and yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's great. And by the way, let's camp out there for a second. Not camp out, but let's give credit where credit's due. That's our boy, Kirk Hammett, that bridge. That yeah. bridge is Kirk, Kirk Hammett's da, contribution. Da, 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 How about Kirk? The t- two of the biggest moments of Metallica's entire catalog, the Rift Hitter Sandman and the fucking Bridge to Creeping Death. I know. Let's oh. give it up for Kirk Hammett. Kirky, Kirky Hammett, people, great People job. try to fucking rip on Kirk. I'm like, fuck you, dude. You can't fuck with what he did. No. No. Go listen to any solo in Ride the Lightning or Injustice for All or the Black Album. You cannot fuck with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Harvester of Sorrow. Kind of a staple of this time. Uh, wasn't this number three in the Seattle show? It was early on. They've been playing it early, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, it has, it has elements of, like, it's kind of a down... It's kind of that that clean thing, but it's also heavy and sludgy. Yeah. Maybe it kind of fills that like we came out with two barn burners. Maybe we can kind of do a more for them a more mid. It's it's almost weird that they're doing one off of like side B of Justice. It's even on the Justice tour. Yeah, it's almost like Harvester was a single or something, although it wasn't. You know, I mean, was it a no, single? No, it, was, it was a single. Eye of the Beholder, one. It's one, I think it, it was one of the two singles that had Bread Fan on the. Oh, you're B right. You're thing. right. You're right. Yeah. It was a single. So maybe you know that's why they bring it out. Um, Jason clapping, getting the crowd hyped at the top. Oh yeah, because I do that. Yeah. and he's just getting everyone fucking. Well, he's. I mean, that's what that's what Jason did. That was one of his strengths. He was so good at it. So he really was. Maybe they can bring him back in, not to play bass, but to be the, like the guy in the Boston's that doesn't play anything. That literally just. I'm sure he would love that. He'd Jason, love to, I think, would love it. If he'd Jason, love to come out of semi-retirement in Florida with his new wife, where he's having a nice time, he's making art. Yeah, he just wants to come prowl around a stage. Yeah, be the be the flavor flavor of Metallica. Ugh, <laughs> it's just a big metal clock around <laughs> his neck. Yeah, a clock in the shape of an M. And so I I made a note on. So we're in we're in the third song, right? So we're we're and this is a fucking long ass show. So we're sort of early on, and I had a note of like. This feels looser than normal, and that became a hallmark for me. This is yeah. a loose show. It is, yeah. And I don't know if uh, and and there are some things about it being loose that I think are good that make it that make it stand out, and some things about it that make me miss Seattle. Right. Seattle to me seemed like like one of my takeaways of Seattle was like they, they're alcoholica, like they like to drink and party and shit. When you watch that Seattle show, you're like, oh, they must have some rule where like there's no drinking during the show or before the show. Right. Because they're just so present and solid. Well, and I know there's that moment seeking the story where he takes a beer. Yeah. This show, I started to think, you know, it's been three years, a lot of success since then. Right. I think the boys are I think the boys are having some fun before the show. Well, I also think too that on the Justice ju- Justice Tour, I mean, you're playing Kill 'em All. Red Lightning, Puppets, and Justice. Super fast aggro. You have to be on. You, you, but there's no, there's not much looseness in those records, you know, to, to, to you can't do it live. But it's not like, like they're not playing those songs here, though. They're playing no, all no, the old, they are. They're they playing are. Whiplash and Four Horsemen. Oh, they totally are. Yeah, they and are. And Creep and, you but, know. But they also have those breaks in there, which I think, you know, like a song like. Oh, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Some of these solos, there's a lot of solos. Yeah. 
We'll get into little it. Little noodly bits and pieces. We'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, anything? We'll see if they'll say a harvester. Of course, the language of the mad shit, Jason. Language of the mad. Oh, he's great on that, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things we all miss and remember him for. Um, now, James is playing this really cool guitar from this area that's called the Old, of Wolf and Man Explorer. Oh, yeah. Where it looks just like a normal black explorer, but the fretboard... Uh, the fretboard, all the instead of uh, on the fretboard, there's usually like dots that yeah, yeah. indicate the what fret you're on. It's this evolution of a wolf to a dude. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. He doesn't play him really ever anymore, but he was obviously doing a black album. Yeah, right? yeah. I love that guitar. It's like nice to see it. The solo is great. Um, the big pause before the all have said their prayers. It's a great live moment. We talked about it last time. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I think this one at, at this point, three years later, is they've got this one down. It's just it's all dialed in. Yeah, yeah. they kind of figured out what worked. They, oh yeah, they they another biz term, if I may. They cracked the code. They cracked the code on the deck. On the deck behind, but in front of the kabuki. That's right. Yeah. Below the truss, below the rigging. The riggers, yeah. Bus calls later. Yeah, after show food. After show food. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have to get their robes or the robed. Yeah, loadout robes. Color our butts, robed. <laughs> uh, there, you can start to get your first taste too. There's like a little Kirk doodle right afterwards. Yeah, which I don't know if that's to give someone a break, maybe give James a vocal break. There's a lot of these kind of transition things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, change change guitars, something. Uh, and then we get Sanitarium, which we got that on Seattle too. Yeah, I mean, pretty early. Yeah. Uh. Kirk sounds great on the intro solo. It's kind of loose, but good. Like, there's looseness in this show that I really like. Yeah. It, it becomes problematic for me a little later, but burning this show down kind of now in my current frame of mind, doing the podcast. I saw it a million times when I was a kid, but, you know, the last few days I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm kind of looking at it maybe a little more discriminately. Right, yeah. Um, what else is there to say about Sanitarium? The do a similar after the group death where they do that really slow that gong 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 very yeah. dramatic like big big hits. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know you you're right when when you say that it is a little looser. James's vocals are a little looser than Seattle one. Maybe a little tired, but still still cool though. No, it's still cool. Like he's not you know he's not struggling. Well, the weariness of it has its own character yeah. that I think's interesting. Oh yeah, for now, sure. Now, what many of you dudes out there will remember is that we get the boob montage. <laughs> he makes some sort of quip about your boobs again. The boob but montage. But then they actually show like you know four or five <laughs> sets of boobs. <laughs> and, it's crazy uh, that that's uh, that's even current to, you know to present day like I've been to shows where like before a band comes on or or I want to watch you know live shows on YouTube or something and before the band comes on like the, there's the camera scan in the crowd and anytime a girl takes her shirt off the camera goes straight there and the crowd goes crazy I'm like I thought scan in the is crowd that really and still in the thing? city tonight looking for boobs <laughs> oh my god oh man I mean I liked it when I was a kid watching <clears throat> watching it again today I was like you know this is not like you don't want this to be part of your legacy, do you? Right, yeah. But, you know, when you're 30 years old and you got a record that's as big as the Black Album, you're yeah. not really thinking about that. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. And they were all, they all were like, you know, pre married or in the middle of their first divorces and shit. Right. I get it. All right, we, all right so then we get Sabbath True. I wrote, Whoa, buddy, lots of swagger. Whoa, I mean, they just buddy. knew, man. They knew. Like, when, you, when you're coming out of the gate with, when that's your new song. You're gonna play it so well because well, you, you're so excited you're so about it. Pumped and yeah. stoked, and you know that it's so powerful. Absolutely. 
I mean, and this one, I mean, to this day is great live, but I mean, back then with that energy coming straight off recording the black album, it just came out. Um, can't remember if that was their second single or not, but well, they had like whatever. It was one of them, record, one of the yeah. 20 singles they had on the black album. But yeah, it's just cool. And the crowd seems into it because it's just heavy and you can kind of bounce to it a little bit. I really, I mean, I really think that even all these years later, if you had someone that was like, I don't really know Metallica. All right. I've heard a few songs. I think if anyone you could sit down in any genre and be like, listen to this song, Sabbath True, they're going to bob their head. They're going to hear the cleverness of the lyric, the hookiness of it and be like, all right, yeah, that's pretty good. And then if they they still like it, you could say, you know what? Snoop Dogg likes this song. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Funny you should mention that. He actually performed it. (laughs) God, don't remind me or any of us about that. (laughs) Um. We're kind of we're gonna kind of burn through these a little quicker than maybe last time. Wherever may roam, another new tune. Uh, I love the intro, the sitar, the thing. sitar tape. Yeah. They're already sort of realizing the, on the front end of the of introducing these songs to people. Like, let's get these, let's build these dramatic yeah. intros in where we're not having to compensate. Like, it's not like Kurt going, "How do I make that sitar sound?" They're like, "Let's just play the fucking intro." Uh, you get tape. your Ravi Shankar on, and you get a fucking sitar on the stage. How much will it cost to have Ravi come on tour with us? Can Ravi Shankar tour with Metallica just for one intro? He'll get crabs a few times in Japan. Maybe it's no big deal. <laughs> There's cream for that. Um, Jason BGVs are awesome, of course. Kirk uh, Solo is great on the song. I, I think this is sort of an under talked about Kirk Hammett solo. I love this. Solo. And you know, like people shit on the fade out. This is a big fade out on the Black Album. Yeah. Wherever I may wander, wander, and it just sort of. Yeah, I think fade outs are great sometimes, dude. They're great, and Kirk actually keeps soloing in the outro too on the on the oh, album, yeah. which is awesome. Well, but you know my what I've always thought about fade outs because some people are like, oh, that's lazy. They just they didn't they didn't take the time to figure out how to end the song. Mm-hmm. All right, maybe sometimes, but my idea too is like. Some songs you just feel like, oh, they're in the studio and they don't want to end it because it just they, they want to keep. It's a playing. good moment. Like you, you're you're jamming on this riff. Kirk's doing this cool solo and James is improvising some vocals. It's like, dude, this is great. Keep going, keep going. Like some songs should feel like they don't need to end. Yeah. that's part of what's magical about it. I think my next record, I'm going to fade in and out every song. <laughs> well, a lot of bands have done that. Yeah, <laughs> Beatles did a fake fake outro with uh, "Day in the Life." Yeah, Alice in Chains did a fake one with "Down in a Hole." Yep. Um, anything else to say? I like when James says, you like that new shit, huh? Well, it's just so weird to hear him talking about wherever may roam is the new shit. The new shit. Which I remember when it was the new shit. It's literally like four months old at the show. It was literally new shit. He says, whoa, we're old. James, you were 30. Yeah, I wonder what he's saying now. All right, then we get our first of many, many punctuated solos. We get there, Jason yeah. Newstead solo. He gives a very cool speech where he, he kind of talks about how grateful and thankful he is. And oh, yeah. He actually even uses the phrase, which I, th- I thought was intentional, where he says, thanks for sticking by us. Yeah. And I think what he was alluding to was not only the the um, more commercial change of the Black Album, but even himself replacing Cliff. Yeah, for sure. Maybe them making their first video for MTV with one. Well, they even, I mean, Lars even in the very beginning of the show when they're doing that backstage stuff where they're talking to the crowd and Lars is talking to the crowd about the montage they're watching. He's like, we got some Cliff in there. You guys like Cliff? I mean, Jason, I mean, you know, at, at this point, we're what, six years after Cliff passed away? There's, they're always going to have Cliff involved in this, you know? It's gonna. It's he's just part of the band. So I mean, and we and we saw on the stadium tour last year. It's he's still there. I mean, they, yeah, he's they, still there. Rob's playing Anesthesia. And they're playing this big fucking. They've got him on the big screen. Yeah, and 
They played Orion very recently on Cliff's birthday. And yeah. He's still... He's still a part of that band. He, yeah, he's kind of like, in a, in a non-spooky way, he sort of haunt, haunts them yeah. and, and us all, in a way. I'm kind of hoping on the arena tour that they uh, will do the whole, you know, anesthesia thing with Thing of Cliff, and then they go into My Friend of Misery, and there's a montage of Jason. When are we going to get a Jason montage? Can we get a Jason montage? Or like, all right, obviously, not to be disrespectful, Cliff did pass away. Jason's still with us, etc. But when are we going to get a moment in the show that is like, you know what? Let's honor Jason. Yeah. How about Rob does anesthesia, and then instead of fucking the I Disappear bull crap, which I love that song, how about Rob plays My Friend of Misery? Just the intro. Just wouldn't a quick that, little wouldn't intro. Wouldn't that be, be fucking so amazing? Yes. Or acapella, Rob sings the entire seven minutes of Where the Wild Things Are. <laughs> Rob going, toy soldiers off to war. <laughs> how about that? Well, dude, speaking of my friend in misery, I love. I know it's he, like a, I, you know he plays this in his bass solo, and it's like oh. I don't want to sound cheesy, but it, it 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 makes me feel emotional. It's such an emotional part, and then like seeing Jason play it, knowing that that was the last thing he wrote for the band, and he was yeah. soon soon to be at ends with the the dudes, and it was awesome. It's such a beautiful piece of music. Uh, and then he goes, he kind of does this on most of his solos. He goes into like kind of a more of a punk rock thing. Gets the crowd, the bum, 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 bum. Hey. Yeah, that's cool. Bum, bum, da, 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 da. Hey, you know. Uh, but then he walks up on the rafters and fucking turns that fuzz pedal on. Yes. And then we get into sort of creepy cliff world. Creepy cliff world, slightly into that weird Jason ambient-ish thing. Which was kind of his own thing. It was kind of yeah. different than Cliff. Even. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cliff didn't really do that kind of stuff. Cliff was just a fucking ripper. And then it is a little weird. He he does play Orion, but it's like he doesn't play it right. Well, and it's like, did he? I think there's a moment in Orion. I have to re-listen, re-listen to the song because it's like boom, go down, boom, go down, boom, go down. Well, he does. It's if I had my hollow body bass here, I'd play for it. But he does this. If any musicians are out there, those the after the do 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 do, and then it's thirds, and it's like, I don't know, it's 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 close, but it's not right. Is I it? have to I have to re re-listen, listen to the part because once all the other guys are back into the song on, on that because bridge, then they come in with that yeah, and I, sort I of think Pink Floyd at some moment. point Cliff might have played those notes. <clears throat> I just kind of wish he would have played the actual solo part of Orion. Those sort of like psychedelic harmony, big bends. That's one of my favorite moments of all Metallica. Definitely of Master Puppets. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. That shit is so good. Um, and it's kind of their updated version of the To Live Is To Die moment, right? Yeah. Jason plays the thing, then they start doing the harmony solo. Yep. They come, Kirk and, and uh, James come sit next to him and do the whole thing and yeah, it's the same deal as the Seattle Seattle show in '89, but different song. And, and I love it still. No, I, well, of course. Well, it's because because it, it's cool. It pays tribute to this other shit. You're almost getting a taste of this other shit. They're like, all right, they're not going to play Orion, but we got a little taste of it. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. a treat. I mean, we'll get into later some of my problems with the set, but that's a beautiful moment. Yeah. And then of course they don't end there, and Jason does this kind of more like gong gong. He does this sort of, you know, Jason's a big Gene Simmons fan, right? He credits Gene Simmons as one of the reasons he wanted to play bass. So yeah. he ends up doing this, uh, for those of you who know Kiss, he kind of does this kind of God of Thunder thing at the end of his solo that I love. Uh, and it kind of wraps up. It, it achieved what it needed to. Some, James got a break or whatever. Yeah. And then we get one of my favorites. We talked about it earlier. Oh, Never. 
Through the Never is so But it's good. cool to see it through the Never on the tour that they're promoting that record that it's yeah, on. Yeah, totally. It's not them like throwing a bone to people. It's like they're playing their new fucking deep cut record song. I mean, the opening riff is is fucking thrash. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's very puppetsy. Oh, yeah. For sure. The spider riff from puppets. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Um, and just to hear them again, like we talked about earlier, like so fresh into these songs and so excited about playing these new songs live. You know, it's like the Black Album songs almost sound better than the old stuff on, on this show mm. because there's those songs are probably so well rehearsed and so fresh in their minds. Right. Um, not that the other ones sound bad, but like, uh, yeah, I, I just as, as somebody who's been in a band for, a long, you know, you know, numerous times over numerous years. I know that excitement of like starting your next tour after you just finished a record. Like, dude, I can't wait to play that new song. It's gonna be so fun. And I imagine these users are, are in that position here on this tour. You know, well, they're they're. It's one of the reasons that they're so special is because if you have a record like the Black Album, what most bands do is they're like, let's crank out another record of bullshit that we don't believe in, so we can still go play Black Album stuff. Right. Yeah. Because when we were young and we were in our 30s, we wrote this great record. How do we don't even know how we did that? Right. Now we're in our 50s and making bullshit. Because um, that happens to some bands. Oh yeah, making a new thing is just an excuse to sort of capitalize on what was great about when you were young. Metallica's, you know, other than Saint Anger, which itself was unique and innovative in its way, it was fresh. Right. Yeah. It wasn't them making bullshit just to keep playing fuel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were making their next artistic statement. Then they made Death Magnetic. Now they got Hardwired. Oh, I mean, it's, Hardwired stands up with anything. Oh yeah, for sure. Moth and the Flame stands up with anything on the Black Album. I think Atlas, Atlas Rise too. I think Atlas does. I think Spit does. Uh, I think Halo and Fire does. Halo and Fire? Are you kidding? Of so, course. Yeah. Even we, I mean, notwithstanding any of the other track, I mean, now that we're dead, to me, is as good as anything on Load and Reload. Anyway, that's a whole. You've heard us pontificate about Hardwired. Oh yeah. Uh, through the never. All right, we love it. What can we say? We love it. It's awesome. Unforgiving. Very cool. Great. I love the James's flamenco intro. Yeah, it's really cool. He's got some good technique. He on does. That. Yeah, he for right? sure does. I love that he's. You know, back then he he was just starting to use the acoustic on the stand. Well, he even says on this show, he's like, I know this looks weird up here. Yeah. So they was, they set it up, and he's like, but you know, just. Metallica fans, we push boundaries. He, he makes some kind of statement. Yeah, he does. They, yeah. they were kind of aware. I mean, it's not like they were unaware of like what they were doing was different for their fans. Yeah, they got it. I mean, they know that their fans are already probably weirded out by the fact that this record sounded different from Justice. And I, and I think their message was, we're not going to like stop doing what we are going to do, but we understand yeah. and we want to bring you into it. It sounded great. Well, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I love the, yeah, he says, little flamenco intro is great. Uh, Kirk's little, sounded awesome. The vocals are super strong. You know, Kirk's playing a white strat, which I anytime they play kind of you know, he plays that strat for the one video, but is it's the, interesting. Is it, is it the white strat in the one video or black no, and white no, strat? No, 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 it's not it's a strat, not yeah, the white strat. Yeah. It's a black it's an ESP strat or something. Right. Yeah. It's not a fender, I don't think. It's probably an ESP. Oh Christ, it might be. Don't write in. You know it's let's just go ahead and say it. It's <laughs> a it's a Kramer. Don't write in. Great BGVs during the outro. The so I dub the Unforgiven. Whoa, whoa, whoa. like Jay. I'm telling you guys, and our our listeners know this. Jason killed the growly shit when he sings Whiplash or Seeking the Story. It's all growly and great. Yeah, but when he actually sings, he's got a mother, good voice. Motherfuckers. Well, he's he's got an okay voice, but he's got a good pitch. Yes, he does. Yeah, this is pre touching all that up, dude. Oh, touching yeah. everything up didn't really happen until kind of late '90s. Oh yeah, for sure. So. This is real singing, which I very much respect. Real ass right, singing. Then we get the Justice Medley. This James is cool. says, uh, 
He says, we got quite a few long songs on that album. We're going to play them all for you tonight. Haha, just kidding. We'll be here for another week if we do that. <laughs> so they kind of have a sense of humor about Justice being sort of, I don't want to use the word overlong. There's some long-ass songs on that record. They're which long. I don't know I'm if they're dead. overlong. They're well, as long as they need to be, well, but it is long. In comparison to what they're currently touring in the well, Black Album, which are a lot shorter songs. I don't think they, I think part of the crazy storm that created the Black Album, timing and blah, 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 part of, a piece of that puzzle is they made their most progressive sort of long, longish record. Yeah, yeah. And they played it live and were like, shit, that, let's maybe not do that. That, that took forever. That was a piece of the puzzle. We just played in Ju- the song Injustice for All, and that dude just went and got four beers at four separate times. It makes times. me grateful for that period. Not, sure. not only because that's my second favorite rec- record, Justice, um, but because them going through that process, we're like, you know what? Let's slow it down. Let's do five minute songs. Yeah. Or even three, holier than that was like three or four. Right. Let's make it all really count. Let's cut the fat out. That's cool, man. I mean, I think we all benefited. If you're still on the ride, we all benefited from that. Oh, yeah. Now, the songs that they chose... So, he basically said we chose our best parts. The songs they chose are interesting. Eye of Beholder, which that... Gun, 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 yeah. Gun, that fade in. That is one of my favorite moments on Justice. And they don't ever really do that again in the song. Yeah. It's just that intro. Well, I mean, it's kind of the verse... Uh, do, you do you hear what, what I hear? It's the same rhythm, just chord changes. Right. Um... Yeah, it's a great selection of the for the. Well, Justice then we get movie, the though. blackened bridge. Ga 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 ga. Ga 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 Into freight ends. Of course. In, into justice. Yeah. Which at the Seattle show, you know, they ended the set proper with the whole song. The Justice. whole song, yeah, and that's one. I think that might be the longest song on Justice. Is the title track? I th- want to say it's eight something. It's, yeah, it's to live is to die is long too. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Injustice for All is... Uh, yeah, the, I would say it's either Injustice for All or To Live Is To Die. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up real quick just to do, double check. Do, do, oh, here's do, the thing that's do, annoying. Do, yeah. do. Injustice for Back. All... St- oh my gosh, stop. 9.47. Look up To Live Is To Die. You know, in, in iTunes or whatever, music on your phone, your iPhone, it used to show the time next to it. Now I have to hit play and then pause and then take a look. Because they don't want you to know. 9.49. What was the other one? 9.47. So to live as I is the longest Two one. seconds longer. I was right. Yeah. <sighs> You're Look, so right all the time. You know what? I was, I'm, in, I'm in these sort of grueling production rehearsals with my country band this week. Shit's about to get pretty crazy busy for me and you both. Um, but I was talking, someone was asking me about the podcast today. And uh, they were like, you know, like, I sort of jokingly was like, well, you know, I, I do an all Metallica podcast. And someone goes, um, are you like an expert or something? <laughs> And my the the joke response, of course, is like, oh yeah, like it's basically Lars Ulrich and then me, right? Yeah, that's the joke. And of course, like we're not experts. Anyone who's been on the ride with us knows that we're on the journey. We don't know. We're just fans. But really, honestly, I we kind of we're we're I know as much about him as I've ever known. Me too. I'm le- yeah. I learn every day. I'm listening more, to them yeah. every day. Yeah. I guess I guess as opposed to someone who's like I know too much now. Yeah, I've heard the Black Album and uh, I know Fuel. They might think we're experts. Sure. If I know who Mike Gillis is and Randy Staub, I know who Engineer Randy is. Right. Yeah. And I know. And I know guy. that Russ Halfen did the photographs for the Puppets tour. And, right. All right. We're getting into the back behind the scenes shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Not to say I know, I don't fucking know everything. No, we're experts. But my like normal friends in my normal life are like, "What do you? Do you like know enough to do that?" I'm like, 
I think so at this That's point. That's the main question I always get is like, is there enough to talk about for that oh, yes. many weeks? I'm like, uh, yeah, we well, have. To, uh, the other thing I said to, the, the, to my friends today, I was like, pe- people, people who know way more than us write in and let us know. Oh, yeah, they do. That we don't know enough. Yep. That happens for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, it- let's move on. Um, we may even cut all that out. <laughs> yeah, that's now, fine. this is the first moment in the show that I get a little mm, grumpy. Yeah, me too. So this is the drum solo. Now it's a lot of a lot of different things happen. Okay, but it's twenty minutes long. This is twenty minute twenty. So so let's just burn down kind of what happens here. Let's go chronologically. So Jason kind of starts playing. He starts playing some familiar song. What is that song he plays? Uh, I'm not positive. It's kind of like a bluesy. Yeah. I can't think of it. Someone will know. Remember, yeah. And in fact, don't write in. Uh, <laughs> then he gets on the drums, and Lars is kind of being a ham on the mic. Stick to the bass, will ya? Yeah, it's, he's hamming it's, it's, it up. It's already kind of weird for me. And so, then Lars gets on the drums, and I wrote, "It's like that scene from Wayne's World when Garth is at the store." I like to play. Let's play a clip. I like to play. It's like a parody of kind of everything that's schlocky about these moments. Right, but it's also yeah. fun, too, because I know that they have a sense of humor. And I mean, they're having a good time. I mean, I, I, I don't care for this majority of the section, but the dudes are having fun, so whatever. Well, I do have to say, I love those white Thomas that, oh, that came those. out on, on this tour. Black hardware, it looks great. Um, he, so he, he does a few like solo moments. He finishes the second one. Runs off the stage and then he sort of shows that there are two. They have two kits on the deck now, so of course you're going, oh, what's going to happen? He runs to the other kit, and as part of his drum solo, does the one machine gun part, blah, 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 <laughs> which is like, wait, you're going to play that song later, just to kind of tease, I guess. Well, it was just like I don't know if he had a lot of tricks in this in the in the bag. I mean, let's, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, Lars was never that kind well, of drummer. Well, don't be honest. You, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm going to lie here. A lot of people say, let's be honest. I'm like, whoa, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're, let's just assume we're always honest. Please don't. There's guys like Neil Pert from Rush. That guy is an incredible drummer, and when he would do tours and do a drum solo, that guy probably straight up sat down for weeks on end and composed an actual melodic drum solo and all this stuff. Lars, to me, is just kind of doing thrashy stuff and little things. He... And I'm not saying like he shouldn't, but it, it's just to me his, his abilities lie stronger somewhere else. I don't think he's the kind of drummer that I want to see a solo from. 
I want to sit back and listen to that Lars backbeat and hear those great parts he wrote for all these songs. I, don't, I mean, we were building, like, so we're doing production rehearsals. We have a guy that comes in and helps us build our show. And we have a moment of our show that where he's like, all right, this is the solo moment. He's like, here's the problem, though, guys. You know, like, solos get boring, you know? Yeah. And I said, get boring? Dude, solos are boring. Right. They begin boring. Yes. And I mean, there's a reason that Lars doesn't do them anymore. There's a reason that during the doodles, Kirk's like, I'm just going to play some song that's like pertinent to the city. Right, yeah. Instead of like rubbing his butt on his guitar. Because after so long, we're going to see this here soon. But like, you're right. Like, he does his big double kick thrashy shit. And after a few minutes of it, you're like, all right. Cool. Do you? Do you? Can you? Uh, I actually have a note that says, oh boy, this is boring. Yeah. But... Here's what happens that gets starts to get interesting. Jimmy James Het Senior Junior Esquire Esquire Senior comes out. He starts banging on the drums. Yeah. Now that now that's fun. That's totally fun. Yeah, I, d- I always dig that. And there's just sort of this kind of schlocky but humorous drum battle. Yeah, uh, Lars moons. <laughs> he moons. He literally he takes his spanded bike pants off and yeah. moons them. Uh, and I actually wrote this is kind of like a pro wrestling moment where he's like. Shut the fuck up. I'm the drummer around here. Yeah. He should have said, let me tell you something, James. Exactly. I'm the drummer around here. Yeah. It kind of gets really stupid in that way. Yeah. It's it's a little goofy. So maybe they were drinking before the show. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is a thread of this show, unfortunately. Um, another note I had is like, when him and James are both kind of grinding it out, it's like so fun and cool. Yeah. But I can't see them. Like, was it a '90s thing to just not put any light? Like, it's just so dark, and there are yeah. no lights on them. I mean, maybe in person you could see him a little better on camera. It just didn't translate. I don't know. And I guess but... it's kind of pre like big screens. You know, like I mean, there there was there was that one screen at the intro of the show that isn't that big, and there's two side ones. But that back then was all private. It's all projection. Yeah, like it's not clear. You, I just feel like you can't see. Any. Is it yeah. me? You just can't see anything. Well, you do wear glasses, so I get it. I'm not wearing glasses. In general, though, you wear glasses, right? So you well, wear glasses. In general, yes, but my vision's corrected by <laughs> When technology. you watch General Hospital, sorry. When I watch General Hospital, I masturbate into a shoe. <laughs> with, that, with your glasses on. Is that weird? Yeah, it's a little weird. Okay, well, I mean, this goes on for so long. It goes they, so they, long. They, do, they do Walk This Way, which I think is fun. Big Aerosmith fan, that's fun. And then Lars says, my three-year-old son can do that, and I don't even have a son. See, this is how early this was. Yeah. Because now they all have like 100,000 kids. He says, Metallica turned into a circus act, huh? Yes. Yes, you did. Yes. Yes. You guys are fucking drunk clowns, coked out clowns in front of 15,000 people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Then Kirk comes out and does a solo. I, my literal note, not that Kirk sucks, but this whole moment. I mean, we're like 15 minutes in. I wrote, oh, yeah. this sucks. Laura says, anyone could have drink after the show? It, it's just so loose. It's it, to, like, me, it, 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 to me, this is where they're like a drunk bar band. In fact, I totally agree. And it seemed like they were way more professional in 89. Or even before they started the Lars drum solo. I mean, right. this, this whole 20-minute section is them just like goofing off. They play a Deep Purple song. All right. That sounds great. The Kirk solo is pretty good. But the solos are just, at this point, we're almost 20 minutes in. He, he and then he does his old. He drags a guitar across the stage and he rubs it on his butt. All right, he kicks it. James finally saves us all from almost killing ourselves, and he calls him Kirk Hamster. <laughs> Kirk Hamster on lead guitar, and then thank God we get the four horse. We get a song again. Yeah, four Horsemen. Yeah. All right. And he says you have to deal with the Four Horsemen. I thought that was pretty bad. Yeah, that was pretty I always loved that when I was a kid. Oh yeah, it's solid. It's confident. 
Oh, and the dude, one of the coolest moments of this whole DVD is in the breakdown. Lars runs all the way across oh, yeah. the stage to the other kid. Yeah. It barely makes it in time. Barely. It's so great. It's showbiz. Yeah. No this this is a, this is a good makeup portion of the set for after that whole twenty minute debacle. I mean, it's fun, you know. Like you're seeing the boys. You paid hard money for the ticket. You. you I think it would have been fun if it was five minutes long. It's too fucking long. Twenty minutes. I don't know. I don't hey, know. I'm the drummer around here. I don't know if that was I need to go drink or I need to get my dick sucked. I don't know if there that's built in for some other thing that we Who don't knows? know. But twenty minutes is too long, and it's not, and that's not even the last solo. Right. There's more solos to fucking. Come. It's coming. <laughs> um. What uh, four horsemen? All right. It's good. It's that, awesome. Yeah. It's good. All right. For whom the bell tolls. Now my note is still badass, but seems to have more power at the top of the set rather than the the bottom. Because we're on track thirteen. Yeah, it is. It, it is. A, it just seems like it's a song built to get the crowd hyped. Yeah, like, it, it is. It feels like an introduction song of like, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what's in store. Yeah, James always does the hey, hey, hey at the beginning and gets the, gets the crowd singing. Yeah, it just feels different later in the set. It, it, it kind of just feels like it drags at this point of the set because like you've already gone through all these other great songs and the energy level is. Not that this doesn't bring up the energy level, but I think it does better, like you said, at the top of the set. And even Jason, the the bass hook isn't isn't even as good this time. I don't right, yeah. This whole show has a very different energy. It does, yeah. It'll be interesting next week to sort of contrast even Mexico City with mm-hmm. San Diego and Seattle. Oh, yeah. Um, this whole show just feels a little different. It's not, again, not bad. No, just, not at all. Just different. If I was there, I would have been fucking pumped. Um, it, it feels a little on the fast side. Like we talked earlier, it's like it feels like a little more on top of the beat. Yeah. Instead of that sort of like a swaggery kind of more of a groove. Yep. Agreed. Um, Kirk's got a lot of energy. Now, this song ends, we get another Kirk solo. It's short and sweet and it's badass, but we get another solo. Another solo. At least it's short, but do we need another solo? And then we get sort of maybe the first, other than other than Harvester, we get sort of the first sort of down moment. We get Fade to Black. Yeah. And everything's as as it is, as it should be. Well, we had Unforgiven, but that was that was the only yeah, one we no, had. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah. we had Unforgiven. That's right. Um, the outro is badass, full of energy. Okay, then we get Whiplash, similar to Seattle. James does the chorus first. Yeah, he does do a dad dadish joke. Yeah, one, two, eight, eight zero, three, three nine. nine. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, this motherfucker's a comedian. Yeah. Jason singing the second verse, I'm never opposed. There's basically Seinfeld that I watch every Thursday night, and then there's James Hetfield. Right. In between banter, knocking your tits together, 8039. <laughs> uh, talking about waking the neighbors up. Waking the neighbors. Na- talking about our nutty friends. Yeah, nutty friends. Nutty bars. Jason does the second verse. Great. All right. Killer set ender. Then we get the oh yeah banter, which, you know, we're all used to the oh yeah banter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yes. No. Not no more. And then of course he does goes from oh yeah to a master, master of of puppets. Yeah. Gun, 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 gun. Yeah. And then we that fucking barn burner puppet. Kirk back on the spidery Les Paul. Brought I love it back that guitar. Out, I miss it. Let's get it's it back. It's a spider. It does have like a yellowy skull, right? Or yellowy kind of thing on it on the web. It's a yellowy spider. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Or it's like a web or something. I don't know. Well, it's a spider web, and it has like that webby, scully, spidery thing. It's kind of yellowy. The first, the first song I ever learned to play on guitar was "Glycerine" by Bush, because it's very simple bar chords. Yes, I looked. And there's the, no other instruments. <laughs> I looked in the phone book, 
And I looked up the girl I liked at school. Didn't talk to her at school. Looked her up in the phone book. Called her house. Her mom answers. Her name was Shayna. Hey, is Shayna around? Uh, yeah. Can I tell her who's calling? It's Clint from school. That's what I said. Yeah. Clint from school. Fair. She put Shane on the phone. Hey, Shayna. It's Clint from school. Um, what are you doing? I don't know. What, what's up? Why are you calling? This is in 1997, six. Right. I said, hey, I play guitar. I don't know if you knew that. And uh, I just learned a new song. It's Glycerine by Bush. Do you mind if I play it for you? Oh, romantic. She's like, um, okay. Swoon. I put the phone down. I play all three and a half minutes of Glycerine. <laughs> I don't sing it. I know. You just played the chords. I don't sing it. I just played the chords. I mean, it must have been the most horrific thing to listen to. That's, well, that's also very brave of you to do. Seventh grade. All right. I picked the three and a half minutes later, I picked the phone back up. No, no, no. I'm like, Shana? And she's like, yes, she's there. She hung in there with me. No way. And I'm like, well, I that was for you. And what did you think? And she's like, I thought it was cool. You know, thank you. Instead of ca- cashing out and going, well, thank you so much for taking the time. I'll see you at school. Yeah. I think you rock. All right? Instead of doing that, I go, oh, I, I learned one other song. Check this out. Guess what that song was? Spider Webs by No Doubt. Yes, you did. I just totally ruined it. And then after four minutes of that, it was... I don't remember how it ended, but... Here's the best part about Glycerine is I'm fairly certain, correct me if I'm wrong, the chords never change. Of what? Glycerine. They change. No, I mean, as in like it's the same progression of the whole song, right? It's not? No. Okay, okay, okay. Clint's grabbing a guitar. Uh oh. It's your turn now. We're at HQ2. Clint is about to play Glycerine in its entirety. I I literally haven't played this since that. Really? All right. So, the main thing is. I don't know the words. I'm sinking in. Must be now go to the chorus. Then it goes, uh, uh, don't let the days go by. Right, that's the same chords. Don't Watch. No. Don't let. No, you know, go take. Okay, so t- go to the, the end of a line. That's just fine. Oh, yeah, that's just fine. F. See? Don't let the days go by. Same chords. No, but there's a bridge. Should have been easier than me. Yep. I couldn't change. I fucking wanted to. Could have been easier by fate. Guitar lessons by Clint. This is for you, Deborah, whatever her name was. Shayna. Shayna. Maybe maybe I did change the chords, and maybe that's why she never liked me. Or maybe if you change the chords, maybe that's why she hung on the phone for so long. She's like, oh, it's, it's not just four chords. Crap. Well, well, we'll follow up on the Mexico City episode with uh, Clint's full version of Glycerine. Having said and played all of that, Speak- we do miss the spiderweb guitar. Yeah, and spiderwebs by no doubt. Um, what's next? Uh, we, were on Mas- we, were on, we were on Master Puppets. Oh, well, they, they, this is kind of a weird move. So instead of doing the totally bitchin' 
slow part that we all love. Yeah. They decide to do a fucking 800 minute version of Seek and Destroy. Yeah. See, this is where I'm like, I don't know if I'm just getting old. Like, I feel old. Like, I was burning it down. I was like, this is long, dude. Yeah. And we're still like an hour out of being done. Right. Because they do the Seek and Destroy where it's, so, it's fun because Jason sings it and, and does the chorus and ver- yep. he doesn't just like kind of guest on it. But my note is like, when Jason does like one verse of something, it's cool. When he's the lead singer of a whole song, I'm kind of like, mm. I, I mean, I, I love when he sings and he especially when he does the thrashy stuff, but I'm with you. I, I think I'd love to hear just a verse or just the second well, verse. Because he does all of Seek and Destroy. Right. Except for at the end when James gets like, so then James like does this whole thing where he like hands the microphone to people in the crowd. That gets a little weird, especially when he goes up to the band. You know what it's really good for? Like an actual show. Like you created a moment for people. You made it really special. If you're filming it for a, an official live release that will live forever. Right. Maybe don't do the drunken 45-minute version of that. It's just really weird when he goes back to the band. They're all around the, they're all on the drum riser with Lars. Well, then he has them do it, exactly. and they're all kind of being jokey and drunky. And Kirk, Kirk is well, inaudible. Kirk hardly he, says he it yet. Like, yeah, meh, yeah, here. <laughs> it's the weirdest he made like thing. A, you know what he sounded like? A meerkat. A meerkat. Which he, sound like? <laughs> he sounded and looked like a meerkat. Meer. You notice I'm sitting like upright. I'm like all charged up now. You are, yeah. I'm not leaning back any it. longer. It's because it's about to get better in the set. Oh Jesus, get out of here! One. Uh, I, I, it's another great. So they they did these kind of multiple encores, uh, where they sort of yeah, split. This one has three encores. That's, I mean, it's great. This is a great encore. They did it in Seattle too. Yeah, because the you know the war music and the the guns and shit. Oh, it's a great way to come back from the um, main set. I prefer the Seattle one more just because it's been so loose. They just they just seem kind of loose, man. They're like tipsy. Yeah. James does the uh now the war's done, I'm just one. He puts his middle finger up yeah. in protest. I loved that as a I kid. I love that. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you, Dad. Fuck the man. <laughs> now that the world is gone, I'm just one. <laughs> Hold my breath as I wish for death. <laughs> Crap. Now, it is interesting because they extend the solo. Where now they... that my dad is through with me. <laughs> I'm waking up and I can't see mommy. <laughs> Can I have some money to go to the arcade? I need lunch money, even though I'm grumpy at you. <laughs> but they do one, and instead of ending it, they sort of do this uh, guitar battle. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I dig it. That's cool. It's, it makes it a little different than what we're used to. But, you know, I just, this is what we do for a living, right? So, like, I'm all about, like, making it feel loose and spontaneous making it feel very special right yeah there's a difference between that and it being kind of like jammy and indulgent correct yeah because it's like all right you you they can say like well we played for three fucking hours you know like we could have only played 90 you know whatever their contract was we're only really obligated to play 90 an hour and a half yeah which is what most shows are i I think 90 is a really good limit that's very generous a two-hour show feels like man they really gave us a lot I've walked out of three-hour shows. Three-and-a-half-hour show. I've walked out of them. Now, I wonder if, if you actually went in and like took out all the little solos, the 20-minute drum weird thing that happened, the Seek and Destroy bit, would that cut out like a good 35 minutes? Yeah. Yes, it would. You know? Minimum. The only show I ever st- uh, stayed for that was three hours straight of one band was Pearl Jam. And it was fucking great. And I never got tired, and I never felt like it was three hours. We, Dude, we went and saw Guns 2012. It wasn't Slash and Duff, but it was Axel, and he was back on his game. They were touring. We got there early. We saw Black Label Society. Axel came out on time at 9. At 1 a.m., we were like, we got to go. Like, we're fucking... They're playing... Ni- they're whatever. Their the encore was something crazy. Like, right. 
and they had more to go. Like we were looking on Twitter, they're like, "Oh, they're now they're playing it so easy," and we're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, but we just got so tired. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't give I can't give all that time to these people. <laughs> um, last caress, barn burner. Oh, that's great. What can yeah. we say? In the Am I Evil? All right, similar to uh, similar to Seattle. And then we get battery. Battery super fast. It's like you think they'd be tired, but it's like they just all did a line of coke and they're just like right, yeah. And battery's into their second encore at this point. Yeah, um, it gets a little sloppy here and there, but nothing like crazy, nothing awful. It's or nothing anything. you're going to be bummed about because they're great, you know. But, the, but, and, it, and they're but also, it is sloppy. At, they're also at three hours and ten minutes of a set. They're probably beat, you know. No, especially they're, not, head they're, field. they're they're not playing like they're tired. They're playing like they're. On cocaine, on, on uppers. Yeah, they have some uppers happening. Which probably. you know, they've said that it, it, Lars has come out and said James never did anything like that. He was a drinker. Yeah, but I Lars don't know. definitely did. And then one of your favorite songs, the end with Stone Cold Crazy. Now, some, some of my, so they come back out. They're kind of still jamming and shit. And Lars is doing fist bumps. Yeah, it's a little weird. Jason's blowing snot rockets. James is shirtless again. I say, finally, finally. dude. If I looked like James Hetfield in 1992, I'd have my shirt off for the whole show. I would have my shirt off all day. Especially if I knew they were recording it like forever. I would be on the private jet with a no shirt on. He says, we're going to do one whether you fucking like it or not. And then they start, oh, this is amazing. I forgot about this. They start jamming Jump in the Fire. Oh, that's right. Okay. And Lars says, I don't think James wrote that one. And then Jason says on the mic, I saw it in panic once. <laughs> I just wrote, wow. Like... That's some heavy meta Mustaine shit that they're just saying to 15,000 people. Yes. Totally. Yeah, exactly. It's really weird. Like, un- unnecessary, really. And, you know, I've shit on Dave for, like, ba- Dave's basically said, like, he blocked, he stalwarted the No Left to Leather box set because of writing credit shit. And this is basically, like, I don't know if they're, like, admitting that James didn't write it or if they're making fun of the fact that Dave says that they didn't or something. Right. Well, I mean, for, I mean, for jumping the fire, I mean, I think that main that's that sounds like straight up a Mustaine riff. I think what probably happened is James and Lars finished it and made it great, but oh, then yeah, Dave sure. kind of came out and said, "I wrote that," and that's yeah. why they're saying, "Wait, you didn't write that? I right. saw that in Panic." Yeah, I mean, I mean, if someone has footage that we haven't seen of Panic playing the jump in the fire that we all know and love, all right, send it to us. Metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. Yeah, but I'm not sure that exists. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea, but. I don't know. That intro riff definitely sounds like a Mustaine riff. Um, yeah, all that to say, I mean, I personally love them just closing with Stone Cold Crazy. Like, at that point, they might have been like, hey, we've got one more in the tank we can throw out there if you guys want another encore. Because they were like saying bye, like, thanks for everything, blah, blah, blah. So I, I thought it was a great ending to it, you know, because it's, it's become a, a Metallica staple cover song. Um, was that the first sneeze on our show? Maybe. It was, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> maybe I'll add some reverb to it. Well, um, I noticed you didn't say bless you. We don't say bless you. We've just as a family. We I don't. normally do. Why didn't you say it to me? Because I'm because a I was atheist. in the middle of a sentence, making oh. an important point about Stone Cold Crazy. But you know, you know, I don't like that song very much. But this, but this version is great. It's great live. It's really good live. A lot of energy, especially it's with yeah, so It's menacing and has a lot of vocal energy. with just the hi hat going. Yeah. Sounds great in an arena. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I agree. I like it. <laughs> well, if you want me to like it, Paul, I like it. I want to play Stone Cold Crazy, Paul. I'll do it. Well, that was fun. That's three and a half hours of fun. Yeah. And my voice is already kind of tired because we did Instagram live for I'm 45 minutes. Well, come follow us on the socials. We're going to do these Instagram live videos a little more often because that was really fun. Yeah. And uh, please leave us a review. Man, if you're listening to the show, if you're an OG listener, if you're a true, as they say, or maybe you just hopped on, 
maybe you jump in from time to time. I don't know. We're so grateful. Oh, yeah. Uh, the podcast has taken on this life that we never thought would happen, and it's become a really kind of big part of, of our week to week. And Yeah, I mean... It's amazing that you guys take the time and, and write into us and engage, and we're really grateful. Uh, let's not ruin that nice sentiment by promoting a bunch of shit. That, that was, no that was beautiful. About. I think we should just get out of here. You want to split? Let's do it. Peace. Adios. <laughs> Advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>